This is a certified Big Soy Naturals classic. I just bought some hentai and I had a hard come. I need a shower. I don't fuck with poppers, man, that shit's a hard drug. It's heavy duty. Only sip on cough syrup when I'm feeling rotten. Not and I soak my dick with a Mormon chick till it gets soft. That's on the ladder, Hey pigs, hello prayer warriors. How are you? Um, don't answer that. Um, how are you, Cerise? How's everything going? How's life? Um, things are going so good. I'm finally done moving. Um, oh, thank God. I still live in the city of brotherly love, but I live in West Philly now, which is a better part and is also giving everyone that's listening more information which, which they can use to find me in my house. Pay me a visit. Uh, if you go on the Patreon, um, you'll you'll find a bonus episode where I dox Cerise uh, entirely and I tell everybody your whole address and your social security number. Yeah, um, it's 6665 Fairfax Drive, uh, Virginia, Washington. Oh, um, do, so you have a special social security number that also has letters. Yeah. <laughs> Um, you know, I've been I've been ruminating, I've been thinking, um, just reflecting on my past and my present and my future, and I've been thinking about the people um, that I hold close and I hold dear that, you know, might be considered, what's the word? It starts with a P. <laughs> I think it's <laughs> patriots. I, yeah, patriots, um, patrons patreon.com slash big soy naturals mm -hmm. um and and you know one that's like mm, problematic maybe um and i've been thinking about the people I, I hold near and dear to my heart um and one of them has to be i think probably florence welch uh i just i had an era where Who i was like she is the lead singer of florence and the machine oh um, white people music yeah and it's like the ultimate like hipster age where like uh, every single like hipster band was wearing like a Native American headdress or a bindi or something over. stupid. Yeah, the dog days are over. I just had a had a thing for just like those white woman spins. I loved I loved doing a twirl. <laughs> I loved the 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 feeling of just like. Um, emotionally thunking my head against the school bus window and looking outside and pretending to be really mysterious. Um, even when it, we hit the speed bumps and I definitely got a light concussion, like I just, I was committed to leaning against that window full force. Um, and I think Florence holds a very special place, I think in that point of my life. Um, but looking back on like a lot of just like the hipster era, it's just like, it's wild to me how, ugly it was yeah the outfits were bad they were bad they were really bad a lot of like guys wearing sweatbands um for no reason um the sweatbands really i think are a underlooked part of that point um as well as like the 
rar means i love you in dinosaur uh neon like the those like do you remember like the neon hoodies that like had fake um like coach and gucci logos all over them like that was a big thing i don't know i just i think i went to a different kind of school than you did the guys in my school are really into wearing um colored skinny jeans and then sagging them um yeah with like a little checkered belt (laughs) Uh uh-huh or two checkered belts belt layering Mm -hmm. a great time do you have a problematic fave um you know we have i okay i have gotten a number of dms lately telling me that i and not you and i together but just me am the problematic fave of people who listen to our podcast which i find confusing because i've never said anything wrong in my life um but i'm gonna bring this back to what i've been thinking about all day and i'm gonna say that my problematic fave is john bon jovi um and i think that he's a problem because he makes music that encourages his listeners to drive drunk. It's true. I feel it's, like it's every DUI single music. song is like, you know, like, we're driving drunk in this <laughs> car. It doesn't matter if it's against the law. And everyone from know. Long Island is like, yes. I'm taking I'm a shot. I'm feeling this. Um, <laughs> And also, he's from North Jersey, and I'm from South Jersey, so I should have an allegiance to Bruce Springsteen, which I do. Right. He comes first in my heart. Of course, um, number one. John Bon Jovi is definitely number two. And I think I... that also, like, the difference between those two guys is that, like, when you're in New Jersey and you, like, talk to people of a certain age um, and you ask them or you talk to them about, like, Bruce Springsteen, they'll be like, oh, yeah, like, one time he came into the restaurant where, where I worked and, like, he tipped a 50 on on a $20 bill. Like, what a great guy. And if you talk to people about John Bon Jovi, they're like, um, I almost had sex with him in the 80s. Or like... <laughs> it's always it's always a hookup story. I used to, to fuck John Bon Jovi. So that's also the about, difference between the two of them. Is and if you talk to people about Billy John Joel from that, from that area, they say, yeah, he almost ran his motorcycle into my restaurant like nine times. It always happens once a year. That's He's real, valid. by the way. I think like being being from that part of the world means that you have to drive drunk every once in a while. <laughs> um, mystery guest who we're going to name in like two seconds. Do, do you have a problematic fave? I really should have a better answer for this. And it's kind yeah. of, it's like weird that I don't. Uh, lately, I've been having to justify myself to a lot of people in my life uh because i actually read jonathan's Fran- jonathan franzen's books and really liked them Ooh. uh and i've been talking Ooh. shit about him along with everyone else uh for a zillion years um so i've had to had to backtrack a little bit embarrassingly i'm in the franzen fan zone now i haven't read any of his books but i have read all of like david foster wallace and i know that those two guys were friends I don't know if that makes them similar. Should I read Jonathan Franzen? And if so, which one? I'll you should it. read the you should read the corrections. I genuinely think it's brilliant. I okay. really didn't want to like it, and I really did. Kendall, is this the man that has the poop fetish? Yes. <laughs> okay, that's what I thought. Yes, I'm gonna just plain yeah. It's it it, it is. 
Is he also I, the one that was hitting on Natalie Portman, or is that a different guy? No, that's a different, different Jonathan. Different, different okay. literary Jonathan. Jonathan. <laughs> um, you mean you mean the one who left his wife for Natalie Portman? Yeah, that's yeah. Jonathan. She was like, four. whoa. <laughs> we were just emailing. I don't know about all this. Yes. Something that could happen if you email any one of us. Mm-hmm. Yeah, email us at bigsoypodcast at gmail.com. And, and maybe wife. you can leave your wife <laughs> for one of us. We won't mm-hmm. say yes, but wouldn't it be we a fun might, thrill? If, if you send a really good email. <laughs> well, okay, one of us is married, me, and the other one isn't. So I well, think we're going to have to. maybe the email is really, really good. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay, it's so true. maybe you have guessed also the title does exist um what this episode is about um but today we are going to be covering and talking about the uh i think infamous and also famous tumblr blog your fave is problematic and i think that it was probably one of the most influential tumblers of all time i would probably credit the blog and its reach for like popularizing the phrase your fave is problematic um and like making it a part of the cultural lexicon and like well i guess not everyone um because someone here had to like think about it for a second but almost everyone has a problematic fave and also an unproblematic fave which is the category that i should actually be in (laughs) um but the blog unless i'm wrong i think was started in 2013 and was like dedicated to compiling the various transgressions of celebrities in like one long post so that anyone on Tumblr could reblog it or link to it um, if they were maybe calling out a different person or like a celebrity's friend. Um, And the blog is still up, although it stopped being active in 2016. And the bio just says problematic shit your favorite celebrities have done, which is great. Um, To my extreme joy, because I got to, I was looking at it the other day. The last uh, celebrity that got the your fave is problematic like treatment was my very own fave, um, who I'm I'm gonna give her the pass. She can say whatever she wants. Um, Azalea Banks, and somehow that post only has six bullet points. So maybe she wasn't doing as much in 2016. Um, but I think to my even more extreme joy we have an elite guest (laughs) um and someone that i'm really excited to talk to so do you want to introduce yourself uh yeah hi my name is liat uh and i started your fave is problematic in 2013. a tastemaker an icon the world would be a different place without you it really would i I don't you know I agree with that and I don't. Like someone would have done it. It didn't Mm -hmm. need to be me, but it was me. (laughs) And so, you know, I got to deal with that now and that's on me. Well, but you can take the the credit for being the one that changed the world. I don't know that I want the credit. (laughs) On Earth 2, Claire Boucher, aka Grimes, quit her job in the music industry and just became a full-time, your fave is problematic blogger. Oh, she uh, ran the blog. Yeah, she ran the blog on Earth 2. Um, but un- here on Earth 1, unfortunately, you had to take the blame. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and I didn't even get any, like, billionaire money out of it. This is what I yeah. was saying is that if you had pivoted to being a Your Fave is Problematic Instagram 
at some point, maybe maybe 2016, then you could have started doing like, your fave is problematic, but like you can change that with, I don't know, what, what like brand could you spar- partner with? Like maybe a nail polish one or like one of those like ones where they send you like little like skincare items in the mail every month. Um, clean, clean your outsides and clean your insides at the same time. Yeah, I think it'd have to be like cleaning products, SponCon, mm-hmm. and it'd be like, uh, you know, like the magic eraser or like I could do mattress ads. And I could be like sleep well at night knowing that you're unproblematic and I on your Casper mattress. You could also probably partner with like a clothing brand and be like if you're looking for non-appropriative uh, clothing, mm-hmm. like here's here's the place to go. They don't sell any bindies. They don't sell... What else are people wearing in 2014? A lot of kimonos on the blog. Yeah. Earbuds, like something, you know, I think you could even lean into um, like little problematic sayings. Lock out the haters with my Raycon earbuds. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I I mean, I think it's actually very cool of you that you didn't pivot to doing SpodCon and like probably speaks to you being a, a good person, but the option was out there um, and you could be making like, I don't know. I don't know what influencers make like $20,000 a month or something um, selling us fit tea. Um, But okay. So you and I, we have the dubious honor of both being New York times op-ed writers. um, And we can link your, your op-ed in the description. And I know that you like shared a little bit, in there um, about why you started the blog, but I um, just wanted to ask, like, if you could give us the background anyway, like, what was your intention initially in running it? Like, why'd you start it? And then, like, how did that change um, as you were doing it? Yeah, uh, well, I want to, I want to, you know, clarify that I am better than you because it's not an op-ed, it was in styles. Uh, And so, uh, you know, I am not, uh, you know, I am not implicated in the New York Times uh, op-ed section. That is better. <laughs> um, I think it's just because of the editor I happened to reach out to not being a op-ed person. Who knows? But yeah, I mean, you know, if you read the piece, which I don't know if people did, I couldn't tell if it... It seems like a lot of people talked about it on Twitter at the time, but I didn't have one, so I wasn't allowed to see. Um Yeah, it's about how I started, how I came to start the blog, which was starting with, like, it was my senior year of high school, and shortly before, like, the winter break midpoint, I had, I had been sexually assaulted by another student at school on campus, and when I had tried to get the administration to care about it and get other students to care about it, I was pretty flatly like told like you are just causing trouble and like we don't believe you we don't care and I like went kind of nuclear and I felt so powerless and I started I'd been sort of like a you know tumblr watcher for a long time and I made one that you know I was writing about how fucked up I felt and uh, you know, the guys at school really hated me because of this. Like there were times where I would be sitting under like a window. Uh, it was Minnesota. And so they would like open the window really quick and reach out and pull snow inside to like dump <gasps> on me, which was 
kind of wild, honestly. Um, yeah. I was wow. like, oh, I can only sit in the middle of rooms now. I can't have my back to a wall. Um, but, you know, they were posting about me on Facebook because it was 2013 and you just posted everything that everyone thought on Facebook. And I started screenshotting posts and posting them on this Tumblr, which I called Calling Out Sexists. And they did not like that. Uh, And like, I would include like, you know, their names and everything. And pretty soon, you know, like they took it to the administration who was like, you can't do this. Like, you have to take this stuff down. Parents are saying that they're worried that their kids aren't safe at school. And I was like, they're not. Like, uh, but, you know, basically I got in a lot of trouble with the school and, uh, was, yeah, it was going a little bit nuclear and, uh, around that time, right before winter break, the night before winter break ended and I was going to have to go back to school and like, I was told like, you have to stop posting about kids online or we're going to kick you out, uh, the night before, my older sister, who had been studying abroad in Ecuador and uh, backpacking around South America with a friend, she had gotten in a bus crash and there was really limited medical care where she was. It was super, super rural. And so she ended up dying from the lack of medical treatment. And that happened the night before I was supposed to go back to school. So I kind of didn't. Like, you know, I you know, the school, I was still so mad and I was still posting, but the school kind of like came to like a, I don't know, like a detente with my parents, like forms were signed uh, that I was 17 and didn't, you know, get to look at, but it was basically like, we're going to say that she's on medical leave and make a fake diploma for her to give to like the schools that she got into for college. And she's not going to come to campus and she's not going to post about the school online. And you know, in my sort of idle scrolling time, which, you know, had started when I was already socially isolated. And now that I literally did not even go to school, like never left my fucking house, like multiplied even more. I started seeing like posts about celebrities just here and there. Like there were a couple little receipts blogs about specific people or uh, it seemed like there was this, this like void almost that I like wanted to fill. It's funny because I'm not like a neat person in any way, but there's certain things I'm very fastidious about. And I don't like, uh, I don't like things that are inefficient. And I was like, everyone's just recirculating the same couple things, but some of them have this and some don't, I'm just going to aggregate it. And so I like started with like a, like, I think Jennifer Lawrence, it was that I was like, okay, different people have posted different things. Why doesn't someone just put them together? And uh, that was the birth of your famous problematic was basically being like, I'm so angry. I'm so alone. Uh, Every adult and institution in my life has abandoned me. uh, But at least I can feel like I'm doing something online. And like, you know, I think for a lot of people, I think especially young women, sexual assault is like the most radicalizing event of their life. And so it was like, I had this newfound sense of like, oh, like keen awareness of like social injustice. And I was like, these celebrities get away with whatever they want. And like, you know, I'm gonna, I'm gonna write why what they did is bad. 
and then people will stop doing bad things. And like, the, you know, the childish logic of that is is kind of heartbreaking to me now looking back on like, you know, that I was like, well, someone did something bad to me. A lot of people did and nothing happened to them. And no one really believed that it happened or that it was as bad as I said it was. So if I just prove that these like that bad things are happening in the world, then people will stop being bad, you know, but I didn't really connect it at the time that like, oh, yeah, I was like, I just moved on to celebrities. But like, it was, it was my hurt that was at the base of it. Right. And it especially came from that feeling of abandonment um, and that feeling of hypocrisy that you were facing directly where, you know, other people were creating transgressions and then you tried to um, hit them back. And then we're told that you're not making people feel safe when you obviously yeah. didn't feel safe. Like that yeah. is a constant, I think, for you were you were saying like it's a it's a radicalizing event um, for a lot of people. Um, and sometimes like I think especially for like like even in, I think in, in a personal sense in me and like in a lot of other people, like it can misdirect you to the <laughs> into like different directions um, that kind of make you feel like really helpless but at the same time like you get this like like I think with Tumblr especially you got this like sense of social justice um that made you feel like okay like we could we collectively as like the the denizens of Tumblr can do something um and it really felt like that like it really did feel like something was like happening especially because of how much coverage uh yeah. blogs like yours got uh for calling out things that were public information um that yeah. was already out there um it's and, it's crazy that feeling that you that i think a lot of us had from being around uh that time period i mean the community part of it was like everything to me like you oh, know yeah. i had no friends left at school i had been completely socially ostracized and you know i was just literally like in my little bedroom in my house where everyone was lying in a different room grieving in like a dark ass Minnesota winter getting dark at like three o'clock every day. I had no one to talk to except that there were people who seemed to admire me online basically. And when I really stopped being active in the blog was well before it actually ended, but it was once I got to college and like had a community in real life and no longer had the need for like, yeah, like the, the Tumblr, like mm-hmm. community that I felt like I'm a like I'm involved I'm necessary you know I'm doing something helpful for people they admire me and I just didn't need that anymore because like I touched grass and got real friends yeah <laughs> even in a smaller sense I think a lot of people felt like Tumblr was like this secret society which is crazy because it was a a website of like three million <laughs> they're like at some at a certain point like eight million people were using Tumblr at its peak people were like no this is like very hush hush we're like we're creating change, but we're all like in on it. You know, we're in on the secret society, which is just um, cute <laughs> in, in yeah. some ways. And in other ways, it's just kind of, it does make me sad to think about like a lot of our old selves um, felt so powerless. And like, this was the only place that felt like we had some kind of autonomy um, over our lives. It's just, uh <laughs> Yeah, well, and on Tumblr, like, during that era, I feel like was when a lot of people of, like, 
various ages were like getting introduced to basic social justice concepts for the first time. And so I think that like when you're really new to any of these movements, like and then you're suddenly like meeting a ton of people that are also like into those things, you feel a lot more of a sense of power than you actually have. Um, and I think that there's also like just a lot of excitement that that doesn't have a lot of thought that comes along with it about like carrying out these ideas because you're just like you're brand new to it and it's very different from other forms of like organizing that you would do in person where if you're like interested in getting to be a part of something you would have had to like join a group and then there would be people that have been doing that for years and years um but I feel like on that in that era of tumblr like everything was like being built all at once by a bunch of people that were like at varying levels of just mostly like being new to different like social justice ideas. Totally. I was super new to all of it. Like, I feel like, you know, I mean, when I talk about, you know, like assault being radicalizing for me, like, you know, it wasn't so much about anything that actually happened to me physically as it was learning that like all of these authorities and institutions that like I had thought were like the adults, you know, like that they were there like to protect me, that they were actually only there to like, you know, maintain and like replicate themselves. And like that fucked me up so much. And it felt like no one took me seriously. And on this Tumblr, no one knew that I was a 17 year old girl, you know, and no one knew that I had just started, you know, coming into contact with these concepts in the last few months. Like, yeah, everything was sort of coming together all at once. I almost picture like a, like an Amish barn building where they all, where all these people just build a barn like in a day. And at the end of the day, there's a barn there. Like it was just, it felt like it was all coming together so quickly. And so someone who had like, you know, first encountered a lot of these ideas a couple months ago, sure. Why couldn't I be seen as an authority and like a valuable, you know, member of this community? Uh, and that was kind of dangerous because I actually didn't know jack shit, like, you know, but it, it was this addictive feeling of like, I'm not just some 17 year old. I'm not just some social outcast at school. You know, I'm not just someone who everyone's tiptoeing around because they don't know, you know, how much I'm grieving or whatever. Like I, you know, I can just be anonymous and like, these things about me that I feel like I'm good at, which is like researching things and like interpreting information and laying it out. Like I can just be valued for that and for like taking a moral stand by doing that and doing it like in the cause of taking a moral stand and like none of the, you know, like weird social fabric of my life and the weird ways that I was treated like factored into it there or so I thought. You, you were mentioning the anonymous part and I, I'm personally really impressed that you were able to keep such a huge blog anonymous the whole time um, especially during that era on Tumblr like people who ran social justice themed blogs were usually expected to put like an identity on display some kind of like identity if not their true identity at least like something 
Um, and we were going through the archive of the blog, and there is an FAQ that says there are six mods that run it. So were, were there actually six mods, or was that like some kind of epic cover for... No, there were definitely some mods. I mean, oh, so okay. one issue with this having started at a particularly traumatic time of my life is that my memory of this period is really fucking bad. And like, you know, I learned later in college, like I watched the show Veronica Mars and I like told, I think it was my sister. I was like, hey, have you seen this show? It's kind of familiar. It's pretty good. And she was like, you know, you watched that when you were on medical leave, right? And I like had just seen the show Veronica Mars. It had not stayed in my brain. So I know that there were mods. I know that they were people they were people who I found by basically like putting out a call mm-hmm. on I think my other blog, but I do not know who they are. Like, and to be fair, I never did. Like I right. never had I never really had friendships with people that were personal, you know, as much as I felt like a part of a community. So like there were mods. I don't know who they are. Uh if you're out there. I hope you're well, I guess. Uh, But yeah, I had like genuinely forgotten that there were mods until I was writing this New York Times article and I like had to go back and look at the blog. Right. Uh, But there were. The one person I remember is someone I like lived with briefly for a summer during college who like uh, was a very online person. I was like, I was like, listen, you can have the password if you want. And I think she did probably a few of the later posts, Mm -hmm. but you know wild it's it's crazy still that you that you managed to stay anonymous um this was also like a period of tumblr where everybody was like trying to find each other's ip addresses and i know you said in the new york times article that uh someone did try to find your ip address and did get it wrong but it did freak you out anyways obviously as it would um but yeah it's i I don't want to say it's like like impressive (laughs) but i mean like it's it was certainly like a really divisive blog to have. And I know that you, you faced a lot of uh, people at mo- at least harshly criticizing you at most, like completely harassing you and abusing you. Um, so it's just, I, I think it's really uh, crazy to think about how many like uh, people are out there that do remember uh, this point in history and were like a pretty big Tumblr blog that are just gone with the wind. Um, yeah. And thinking about how they might also have like really similar stories to yours. Pretty like you, you do have a, a point on your blog where you have other similar blogs to yours um, that are, and there's quite a few of them. Um, I just still wonder where they are, you know, if they're doing okay. <laughs> I hope they're good. Yeah. yeah I mean, it's amazing to me that I stayed anonymous because I didn't really take any special steps. Like Mm -hmm. I always figured like if someone, you know, linked it back to my previous blog that I had made about my high school, which was still like my, became my like personal Tumblr and they had gone back to the beginning of that, they would have found out the name of my high school, probably my name from some screenshots. So if they had put the like, you know, sort of detail oriented research into it that I put into making these posts, they could have got me in a second. Right. Right. Yeah. I mean, and I think it's only gotten worse with time. People don't protect themselves at all anymore. Um, I, unfortunately, yeah. Well, and have... then I doxed myself. Yeah, and then you doxed yourself by writing a, <laughs> a New York Times article. Um, God, and they're, people are so much worse now. Like, now they have their whole face attached to everything. And they're like, this is what I'm saying. Here's my full legal name. Um, <laughs> yeah. Which is just nuts. Um, Cerise, did you want to ask the next question? 
No. <laughs> no? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, it, it was really uh, interesting... <laughs> Like to think about the the timeline of the of the blog in terms of uh it did end in 2016 which was like right before the me too movement started in 2017 um which is when like this format of like a list of someone's transgressions really took off um and by then you weren't even on tumblr even if you weren't on tumblr or like never he had heard of the blog like the way of recounting information in a caller post was just like the norm online and me too kind of ended up having the same problem of like the harm a person committed like you said in your article uh not all being the same level of bad um or the same level of transgressive or abusive um maybe not all needing the same kind of response but all being compiled and hashed out in the exact same place which made it like really difficult for people to figure out like, how exactly to hold someone accountable without going too far um like what made you decide ultimately to stop running the blog and like did you see like once me too kind of cropped up the connection between uh the format of the blog and me too yeah i mean so i started that you know the spring of my senior year of high school and by the time i was pretty early into college i was feeling a lot like less like I needed it, you know, like it just like it became more of a chore to update versus like my whole life or like something that I looked forward to or wanted to be doing. It was like, oh, this is taking away from like experiences that are actually much more pleasant for me. And so I stopped actively contributing to it probably like with any regularity in like 2014 and like a couple of the more recent posts that are like, you know, jokes that people made about like the phrase your fave is problematic are things that I like hopped on and reblogged at some point in like 2015, 2016. But I stopped engaging with it in any serious way long before it actually like stopped posting. So I guess that is where the mods come in is like, because right. for me, it ended, you know, about a year after it started, mm -hmm. but it actually did keep going online after that. So, you know, if it feels to me like it ended, there was a much bigger gap between that and me too, um, really like sort of, you know, taking social media and mm -hmm. the world like kind of by storm and by surprise. Right. Um, yeah. I mean, I think what you said about like the sort of flattening nature of like, you know, like equating, different types of behavior uh that was sort of built in in a way like because mm -hmm. the blog I started about kids at my high school was called calling out sexists right and then when I started including like posts that were like racist and homophobic I changed the name to calling out bigotry mm. and then the word problematic seemed like an even better catch-all to me and I'm sure I saw it elsewhere on Tumblr like an umbrella term but like right. it was exactly but yeah. like as I was building in what I felt like I think I was thinking like oh no this is better because like it's like more intersectional or something <laughs> but like it was just it just made it meaningless like it just it right. just you know made everything equivalent and so you know Sean Penn beating Madonna with a baseball bat is the same thing as like 
Zoe Deschanel often plays manic pixie dream girls. And here's the reason that that's like a negative trope or like she wore a kimono in a movie. Like, you know, it just flattened all these things. And like, yeah, I mean, you know, the nuance, uh, the nuance was missing there. And I think the nuance is often still missing from like, you know, a lot of like call out conversations and yeah, I mean, I struggle with it because like, looking back I'm like this is cop behavior like this it's such like a like a carceral attitude that I had mm-hmm. but at the same time I was in so much pain and it didn't feel that way to me right. and so you know when I see people who are sort of acting the same way online now I feel like I I get it like mm-hmm. I get where they're coming from with it but I'm also like okay but it's bad don't do that yeah <laughs> it's, it's yeah I feel like I oh sorry oh, no, no, no. um <laughs> please I was just gonna say like I um the the like flattening thing was like something that I really s- struggled with when I was on Tumblr like during that time and I think it's like especially now something that like I try to nicely encourage people to not do where I remember I started following the blog and then I like got overwhelmed and I had to unfollow it because it was like making me feel like kind of hopeless and so it kind of makes sense to me when you describe the way that you were going into creating it where I was just like seeing all of these different things that people were doing and they were all like at different degrees of badness but like in the same post and then I was like I don't know what I can do about any of these things and I'm not sure like how I'm supposed to respond to like someone, you know, drawing like stereotyped characters in a graphic novel versus like a person that domestically abuses their partner. Like, I'm not sure what the response is supposed to be. Um, And then just feeling like, okay, I guess I'll do nothing. Um, And then unfollowing the thing that was giving me the the information that I didn't know what to do anything about. Um, And I feel like that definitely is an effect that like a lot of those styles of like posts um and like that way of like distributing information has where it like presents people with like a really big problem and then like people are just like well I guess I have to get used to it because I don't know what I'm supposed to do now to to address it yeah I mean not to employ the like buzzword of the year but like you burn out like when everything is treated with the same level of like egregiousness and like you know it's all it's all the same like what can you do except be overwhelmed by how awful it is and like you know you can kind of like shut down either you'll be like okay well I refuse to engage with you know this person because of all these things or you can be like you know what it's all the same I may as well no one is safe I may as well you know it doesn't matter I can consume anything like you know yeah I think I think that is also like a a weird counterintuitive like message that I think I ended up promoting is like no you don't actually like everyone is bad so like just don't engage with anything or since that's impossible you just end up engaging with everything Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's interesting because, like, I feel like um, you're you have like a res- you have sort of a response tab on uh, the blog called like Now What um, that I think was like I think it was really really well intentioned to be like okay like 
people are going to be reading all of these th- horrible things and they're going to be thinking, well, now what do I do? Um, and you, you do have this very optimistic way of like, okay, well now how can I be a good fan? And you say like, try to make them a better person. If if they do something problematic, like call them out on it. And then you say like, I recognize that famous people are busy and don't read every single Twitter reply or Facebook comment they get, but still try it. And at the very least you'll be educating other fans, which like, although like, it's obviously like really optimistic to, uh, think that you can try to make them a better person um i do think like it does exemplify like a a really unique era of like celebrity culture online like and i think especially tumblr felt this like that they had this like really really direct access to the celebrities that they knew um because all the like fandoms had like um it felt like every single fandom like was getting responses from their favorite tv show and their favorite creators um so it felt like you had a lot of access to these people and in some ways like it does feel like it's gotten like you've gotten more access in like 2022 and at the same time it's like a lot more carefully managed and carefully designed um so like like you know and it really depends on like whether or not the celebrities like pr agent is like you know asleep at that point and <laughs> whether the celebrity is going to respond like genuinely or whether they're going to give like an iOS press release uh, through their notes app. Um, and it's, it's weird to think about how, like, I think around that time period, you weren't entirely wrong that you can access these people. Um, and it's possible that maybe one day you'll like, you'll get a reply and they may reflect and they may change. Um, but, and at worst, maybe you educate a fan um, I can't help but feel a little pessimistic now, considering how many uh, how stan culture has just absolutely blown up. Like, do you think there's been like a change in like the celebrity culture and how it's like uh, gone in the past couple years? I really do. I mean, I feel like that was like the golden age of like like fan service that right. was like not going through like people's managers or like PR teams and like. I think they pretty quickly caught on that like, oh no, like this is really Mm -hmm. like not doing us any favors to like be in this close of contact, like with the like, you know, obsessive young people who like are consuming our like output. Yeah. And like, yeah. So, I mean, I had like some celebrity interaction, like through the blog, like, uh, like John Green, the like YA author, like addressed my like posts about him and like, uh as I was like preparing to talk to you all I read a couple like articles that were like a response to my like New York Times thing uh I really like tried to stay away from it because I still it's still even though I like weirdly doxed myself and you know no one made me it still feels so like white hot with shame Mm -hmm. this like whole period of my life like I really struggled writing the piece because I didn't want to look at the blog and I had to look at the blog to write it. And preparing to talk to you all, I also felt like I should look at it. And I really, really did not want to look at it. Because, like, the sincerity and the optimism that I felt, like, that were also, like, just, you know, tied up with how much, like, rage and pain there was, like, feels completely radioactive to me. But, like, you know, yeah, I did have some, like, you know, celebrity interactions, there were a couple weird ones. Like, you know, there was a comedian who like, you know, was like mad and tweeted something like, you know, like, uh, I don't even remember what it was, but, um, 
that like was more understandable because he was like pissed off and then one of the actors from that like i guess it was a cw show sleepy hollow uh (laughs) he submitted himself like there was like a like a thing where you could like you know like write in the name of a famous person i would research them and he submitted himself yeah and so like i don't i don't know what the motivation (laughs) behind that was like uh it's very very funny going to church yeah (laughs) yeah like and you know he wasn't like a super famous person you know as far as i know he doesn't like have a big acting career but like that's the sort of thing that like your manager needs to stop you from doing (laughs) what that if you have one like exactly yeah and like i don't know i feel like celebrity culture has changed but i don't think that it's related to like the sort of like your fave is problematic type call out yeah i think it's related to the like de moi type call out Mm, yeah like i think that is like if there's like a website social media thing that has changed the way celebrities like interact with public it's gotta be de moi yeah and like there's a relationship between probably my tumblr and them but like we are we are in a whole new we are known de moi haters Yeah, I was doing it for a good reason, yeah. um, and th- they're doing it to be gossips. Weird. Um, yeah, it's they not- also did the thing that, or I guess not. No, because you you did something smarter than they did, where they like the reason that they their identity got found out was because it was a Instagram account that was like a personal Instagram account that they just changed the name of <laughs> later, um, as if like people can't look through your like username history and see the archives of your old posts um and that was how i think i think it's two women that run it um, yeah two white yeah. women from new york um, yeah and, and i'm a white woman from the midwest let the record show so <laughs> yeah. that's different it is different i don't think you have any business running a gossip blog like a celebrity gossip blog living in new york you need to be in la <laughs> yeah yeah i mean uh it, it, I do think it's very funny um, and very in character that John Green was the one who contacted you. Um, obviously, like he was the big Tumblr guy, um, but it's also just like he was also very sensitive <laughs> to criticism. Yeah, um, and loved to respond to literally any criticism in kind, um, which was is funny. And we're the- we're known John Green haters on here also. So, oh yeah, yeah. I mean, how can you not be like you know the whole Green <laughs> Dynasty, but. Yeah, I mean the thing the like the post about him was basically was mostly centered on like how it really felt like he was too cozy and too personal with the like, you know, teenagers who were the big fans of his yeah. books. And then and he so picked it, a fight with a teenager. And, <laughs> right. So there there was something so perfect about that where it's like, you know, hey, you're like getting too like emotionally involved in the lives of like these teenagers. And then like he and I again a teenager like end up having this like you know like tumblr exchange yeah and you know managers need to need to stop famous people from doing these things and yeah they, they i think a lot have. about that post of uh adele that she posted to her instagram where she had like bantu knots <laughs> and then like she was asked about it oh like a while after and she was like yeah that was the one time that i like did my own posting to instagram and then my like ma- manager like took my phone away from me and told me not to do any more. Um, and I think that like 
I've, I've said this so many times, but, like, the reason that Azalea Banks gets so much shit for all the things that she says online is not because, like, she's the only person that has uh, shitty views, um, but because, like, she's one of the few celebrities that controls her own social media. Like, we don't get to know what the rest of them are thinking. Um, so it just seems, like, outrageous when she says something, but she's allowed to say it. Whatever it is that she says... I give her retroactive forgiveness and also like perpetual forgiveness in the future. Forever. She is my problematic fave, actually. Like I still listen to Two One Two a lot. Two One Two is a great song. It's from 2011, and it sounds so fresh in 2022. No one can do what she does. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, I'm gonna. I'm swapping Jonathan Franzen for Azalea Banks. Cerise has publicly said Excellent on the blog answer. that on Earth Two. Uh, azalea and kanye west got together and it created the most like unholy union that created such great music I think, oh. and, and i can say this also like from personal experience that sometimes the best thing that uh, a mentally ill person needs is someone with the exact <laughs> same kind of mental illness and then together you're you will eventually cancel each other out you make each other sane Mm-hmm. that's beautiful you become normies point, together right at some point like there won't be more to escalate over um and i just think like they're both gemini's which is also a form of mental illness <laughs> and they're both like very talented musicians and i think that in a world where like kanye learned to not be so sexist and to not have so much like misogynoir because like he's got he's got his whole thing right now with black women eventually maybe he'll get it together in a perfect world she could have fixed him yeah i think so she still could maybe she still could um so we talked a little bit i guess about like john green but i was looking at your list of celebrities um that like had posts on like your fave is problematic um and the list is really funny to look at now because it really like reflects the list of people that were like popular on tumblr at the time like andrew hussey has an entry who is the creator of homestuck um i have not read homestuck but i do know that um and then like marina from marina and the diamonds john green obviously like benedict cumberbatch like (laughs) just like all people that like it makes sense that jennifer lawrence was the first one because i feel like she was everywhere she was in like 2012 2013 and the tumblr girls hated her they they really turned on her her after she was trying to be relatable yeah and they're like i don't relate to you jennifer i think that you're bad and i feel like i knew so much about her uh (laughs) but i was i was wondering like did you yeah did you choose the celebrities yourself or did you like wait for nominations like what was the was the process like there it was it was kind of a combo i mean once i allowed for submissions even before i had much of a following i got like a disproportionate number of submissions to how many people were actually like following the blog like is very clearly like <laughs> there was a real appetite for like we need to know you know mm-hmm. and so it was like a combination of like I tried to go with people who I thought were really relevant so sometimes that meant people who were like broadly famous like like Taylor Swift and sometimes it meant people who were more like Tumblr A-list like the Supernatural guys which was not a show I ever watched but which was 
their Tumblr A-list, you yeah. know? Mm-hmm. And sometimes it would be people who I thought just thought would be easy. Like, uh, it's, someone submitted very early on, who knows why, Barbara Walters, like the, like, <laughs> tv like is she a, jur- a journalist i don't know see i but, have personal beef with barbara walters because she was an alumni at my school and she gave money to make a new student center but she did not give money to help uh any of the students with their uh, food program which was very very criminally bad um so my proof, i have personal beef so maybe that was me but i don't think so maybe might be uh, and so you know like i did her because i was like well this will be easier because i don't know like it felt like she's less online there's less like Mm -hmm. you know but then i mean one of the like criticisms of the blog that stays in my head was someone who just posted like like who the fuck's fave is barbara walters (laughs) that's i mean that's so fucking fair like everyone's writing in about like oh like you know can you do a beyonce post or like here's like you know like the tumblr a-lister of the week like you know, it was definitely out of place. And I, I had really like lofty goals for how long I could keep it going. And like, you know, it was like, eventually this will all even out and there'll be all types of people. I'd try and, you know, bring in people who I felt like had like a new example of being problematic or like, especially an egregious one. The struggle was that most of the submissions and the people who I was interested in myself were women. Mm -hmm. Like it was actually kind of a struggle to like find men I mean people would submit them but like there were so many more women that people wanted to know about and uh sometimes that meant that like the men I chose were like felt less relevant because it was like everyone wants to know about every single woman who's ever been remotely famous and then it's like, okay, like, you know, I don't think there's anyone on Tumblr who's like, oh, I love Sean Penn. Sean Penn's my fave. But like, at least I know that he like, you know, had this domestic violence, like history. And like, that's a man I could post about to like, break up the all the women that everyone was just like, ready to drag, like begging me to drag. That yeah, that was what misogyny. I was gonna ask about was like, there's this, I think like, when you let things be like directed by um like your audience or by the public like it ends up like self-selecting a certain group of people and then there's like ways where that can end up being really fucked up um and I feel like it's also it like is harder to like if I don't know if I like to I remember seeing the Eminem one um and just thinking that that was like kind of funny because it's like yeah like of course um and I think that that's, like, the the problem was that, like, there was an interest, I guess, in, like, nitpicking, like, women who, like, seem cool and then, like, finding out that they maybe did something bad, whereas, like, the male celebrities that are bad are, like, a lot more um, in your face about it, where it's it's hard to find, like, someone who's on the same level as, like, the many female celebrities at the time who were, like, doing, like, quasi-feminism or something, but then, like, actually did something fucked up a few years before that um, yeah, i think it was definitely but, yeah. a lot of people having a lot of like misplaced rage to like feminist hy- hypocrisy i do remember well, the post that about... was the era of media representation yeah that was when media representation was the most important Penultimate, thing that you could ever do everything you know like that was the beginning and the end of it 
And it, I remember seeing the Ellen DeGeneres post and a lot of people, like, I think in the mentions were really mad at you for uh, <laughs> for bringing uh, their, you know, their lesbian queen to, to task, which is just very funny to think about. Like, I'm like, I'm so... History was reading, on my side. Yeah, because I yeah. was reading that and I was like, I'm so sure none of these people watch, like, daytime television. They're not, like, watching the Ellen show every day. Maybe they're watching her when she's, like, hanging out with Taylor Swift and terrorizing her but i don't really know what else like is going on yeah i think it it was definitely a lot of the i think it was a lot of like misplaced rage at the the hypocrisy of of media represented feminism versus like their actual actions um and at the same time also like some of it was was that wee little dash of misogyny that that they all tumblerinas kind of hold in their hearts um it was in, you, you did talk about how like it was it, like the inconsistency between the celebrities but another thing we were interested in is like the actual writing style of the blog because it sort of switches back and forth between this like journalistic like detached prose um where it's all facts and it will like link those very very like heavily and then it will link to something a celebrity did and just kind of call it really gross so it will link between like unbiased like these are the facts and then like i gotta give my opinion here like this is this is nasty um which i thought was just really interesting that uh like it i think that's the part where you kind of realize like oh this person might be around my age because <laughs> they 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 definitely have to like like they have like a strong emotional feeling about this one thing and they have to let you know um that they feel like this one in particular heinous um which i thought was honestly looking back i think it's cute <laughs> i don't know <laughs> Yeah. yeah, I mean, yeah, we can call it that. Like, yeah. I don't know what else, <laughs> yeah. what else to call it. Yeah, mm-hmm. I just, I, I think that I understand. Like, this is this was like a really um, terrible period for you, and I. But I'm like, I'm obviously like, I'm a proponent of like embracing the cringe, and I think that there's there's something to look in here, especially in, I think in like what I said before in the now what tab that there's, um, there's like I think people thought of this blog as like really negative. Um, and what I remember from this period of, of like feminism is this like optimism about like what we could do to change things, um, that I, you know, it's not exactly realistic, but it's one that I think I look upon with, uh, with like a sense of, of joy at like (laughs) the, the naivete that we had for, um, what we could do. Um, and like knowing that they these people in particular that I was around was were going to grow up and at least be right <laughs> you know like in the end yeah you know um it's nice to think about that um you know we all kind of grew up and we refined our beliefs a little more um and became that hopefully is not true. well not all of us <laughs> <laughs> but like i I think at least I am three... not a believer in embracing the cringe. <laughs> I am a believer in putting the cringe in a vault and forgetting about it and never looking at it again. Hmm. <laughs> you can see how we're we we create that balancing difference. It's the dialectic. Yeah, it's yeah. The dialectic when you have two things, um, mm-hmm. and that's it. <laughs> <laughs> dialectic means two. Yeah, it means two, <laughs> and that's it. Um,
you you did say like that um you obviously you've expressed this multiple times here that you do regret making the blog for like a variety of personal reasons but that you also look back and you feel like it kind of fell in the middle between like celebrity gossip and like accountability um and that it like lacked in that nuance um like is there and we we you know we have our own beliefs on this obviously but like is is there any material value in the format of a call out post do you think is is there is it does it bring out um is bringing out like singular change in like one public figure a goal to strive for and is that going to be something that will be found in the call out post like is it a good strategy in any way of blocking off members of community that are being transgressive or causing harm yeah i mean i feel like i had forgotten about the what next you know i said that i really am like reluctant to look at the site and so I've forgotten about that, like, what next? Like, tell your favorite celebrity that they're doing this offensive thing so they can stop or at least educate a fan. And hearing that now, where I feel like I've started to come around on, like, I really did want to have all the cringe and all the sincerity, which were synonymous to me in a vault, like, buried under the sea forever. Mm -hmm. And I feel like I'm starting to come around to, like, actually finding, like, sincerity and, like, hope really beautiful and like you know very sweet especially when I think about how young I was right and I mean so the thing like I do feel like that optimism I do feel like it you know they're like I, I love that in a way that like you know at least it felt like at some point I intended it to be more like this person just doesn't have the information that what they're doing is harmful and once they have the information then they'll stop it and the harm will be gone and there will be no more harm right and I think as I realized that like that's not really the case that's when it started to become like angrier and angrier and like more and more like the like cancel culture boogeyman of like you know carceral like you're kicked out of this community you're, you're losing your job you know x y and z that everyone you know talks about but I mean like, I, I guess I do, and I don't know what the value is beyond sort of like, I mean, if there's a situation where someone really doesn't know that like, right. you know, that someone in their life is like, like likely to harm them in mm -hmm. some way, like, I don't know that there's that much value to it. Right. Like, I mean, just thinking about like celebrity culture now, like the thing that has felt the most that's made me think about like my blog and like cancel culture and all this stuff the most has been the like everyone like the Johnny Depp Amber Heard defamation trial yeah because yeah. like there was this fixation on evidence that reminds me of Tumblr receipts culture so much like it was almost like a like a religious like spiritual fixation on evidence and like you know people are reciting litanies of like you know well at this time and this time and these are the photos that prove and you know, like that fucking concealer palette became like a like a fetish object for like Johnny Depp fans. Like it's like they were all like making a pilgrimage to the drugstore to buy the like Amber Heard is a liar Milani concealer palette. And like, I, you know, I feel like that's a situation where like, actually, like the facts don't matter. Mm -hmm. Like, like, you know, mm -hmm. like no one is actually changing anyone else's mind in this, but we're all so desperate to believe that the truth will vindicate us that we just have to like stack up the receipts and like 
you know, then you got into like the second level think pieces of like, you know, there were like, you know, women writing about like, oh, well, I was abused and Amber Heard gives victims of abuse a bad name and like she's mm. faking it and I can tell. And like the second level of like think piece was like, people think this way because we can't handle the commonness of abuse. Like we want to believe that there's some perfect way that you can act that will stop you from ever being harmed. And, you know, so we have to believe that like one, this person is lying because like, well, my, this famous person that I have a crush on, like would surely never do something bad and also be like, I don't want to believe that this could happen to me because if it can happen to a famous actress, it can happen to anyone. And like that sort of like, you know, like scrambling to be like, no, she's lying because I don't want to believe that this could happen to me. I feel like is the same attitude that was happening on like the side of people who were like, no, like he was obviously abusing her and here's all of this evidence. It's like, it's the same thing. It's the exact same attitude I had in high school of like, if I just present the evidence, I will be believed and the harm will disappear. Right. And like, you know, it's the, and it was that optimism of like, just tell your favorite celebrity, you know, not to do this and they won't do it anymore. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I'm really glad that you brought that up because I was going to say that I feel like the, the like way that people talk about like cancel culture or whatever, where like the, the, call out itself like doesn't really have any material impact or like the impact it does have it doesn't even come close to like the rallying around of the person that's been called out and the defamation trial itself was kind of an example of that because like Johnny Depp didn't prove that he didn't like abuse Amber he just lost her the right to speak publicly about it which kind of puts like speaking out about something and abuse on the same level um and it's yeah I don't know like just like the the act of like speaking out about something has become synonymous with accountability which is frustrating because like there is often not any accountability that comes along with like this litany of receipts but it just also like I think goes back to a thing where you end up feeling helpless where it's like well I know this information and I'm putting it out there and people are reading it and still nothing is happening um and I think that like when that happens over and over again like people just do end up getting I guess like burned out or something from a, a movement but yeah I like the the defamation trial has been like a very like and like shitty example um of this happening again yeah and it really does equate like talking about like something that's happened to being like something that actually happened like like one of the like you know like like things that the you know people would recite over and over is like well he lost the uk defamation case where the standard of proof is higher and the judge said oh he definitely abused her you know whatever like 14 out of 15 times or whatever like like oh, okay and like yeah you know it just now feels what? like <laughs> right and now you know she has to pay him all this money over a op-ed that you know didn't say his name and that seems like she didn't really even write that like the ACLU kind of wrote and was like hey do you want to like sign on to this and she yeah. was like 
sure. And it was or, only you know, really like, one line that they had a problem with, and it never mentioned him by name. It was just like, I have experienced sexual assault before. Um, yeah. Which is so vague. Um, I could say that. A lot of people I know could say that. Um, and it wouldn't mean... Yeah, and it would mean, like, 20 different things. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like, it's... Ugh, it's crazy to think about, like, um, how, like, just recently, and of course, over the last couple weeks, we've just seen that, like, the the idea of cancel culture, if it's real, it goes in the entirely opposite direction of what people say it goes into. Um, it's always the people who are uh, least uh, able to protect themselves um, that are going to face the most scrutiny. Ugh. <laughs> I always think about um, Steven Salida. I might have talked about this before, um, but he's a like he was a professor. Um, he's Palestinian, and he was hired to be the um, professor of uh, American Indian Studies at the University of Illinois. And then, like after he was hired, after he had moved, some group like started going through his Twitter, and he had like too many tweets that were like critical of Israel um, because they were like bombing Gaza in 2014. And that was around the time that he was hired and he had some things to say about that. And so then he was like, let go from the position that he had already signed a contract for, um, for the things that he was like saying about like the world online and had like no recourse for it even though this is like not something that is supposed to happen when professors are like allegedly supposed to have academic freedom and it's so funny because like constantly you're seeing all of these different like professors who will write little opinion pieces in various uh, news outlets such as the the New Dork Crimes, perhaps, <laughs> um, where they're like, um, I can't have sex with my students anymore, and this is cancel culture, and then everyone's like, this is so terrible. Um, but no one rallied around him. And another, like, a thing that I learned about um, a while ago was that, do you remember that list that was, like, all of the journalists that were, like... The shitty oh, media the men list. Yeah. No, it wasn't that one. It was it was all of the like Barry Weiss was on it and oh. it was like all of these people that were saying like we think that cancel culture is bad and we're not going to participate in it and like and we don't want silenced. to like work yeah. for like media like institutions or whatever that like contribute to that which doesn't make a ton of sense cuz like a journalist's job is probably supposed to be naming things that are happening. Was this the um, Harper's leather? I feel like this is yeah, yeah the Harper's oh. leather, like another cancel culture in like media touchstone publication. Right. And so he was asked by someone to sign the letter, and he was not going to do it because he thought it was dumb. But then his ask was revoked because he's too controversial a figure. And they didn't want anyone on there that was like anti-Zionist, so he got he got canceled from <laughs> from being canceled um, from the anti-cancel culture people. And I feel like that's just like the like the nature of it is that like it makes martyrs out of people that already have a lot of power. Um, like the whole Johnny Depp thing has been like very frustrating. Um, I think for that reason, where it's like 
completely made this like figure out of a man who like has already been like confirmed legally to be um an abuser um and now he has like a much larger platform than he did like two years ago because that man has only been in like flop movies um and i don't have any like thoughts about i guess like what to do about that um besides just that maybe like call out posts are not are not the thing anymore no but at the same time we're like all living online and yeah. i think that like there is an understandable like impulse to want to like name when harm is happening um and it just like it sucks that it, it keeps getting swarmed that way yeah and i mean i think you're right that like you know, as much as there is, like, all this, like, you know, Harper's Leather style hand-wringing about, like, cancel culture and censorship, like, as always, that stuff does fall on the people who, like, are the most marginalized or, like, have the least power. And, like, the idea that, like, oh, we can't believe that this Palestinian academic could be critical of Israel. Like, you know, like, that's that's an absurdity. What does he have to say about it? (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Like, what, you know, what does he know about the situation? Like, you know, like, cancel culture, like, that, like, the real cancel culture, which I, I hate that I just said those words together, is, like, you know, like, like, states having laws that make it illegal to participate in BDS. Like, very, like, you know, like, there are actual things that, like, Right, like, this person getting fired for, like, uh, having criticism of, like, that, like that, that's his life? That's his field? I don't know. And, like, you know, like, just, right, cancel culture always seems like it, you know, for all of the sort of, like, opinion section hand-wringing about it really comes down to the same people who were already being harmed by, you know, all of the social forces, like, in the atmosphere again being harmed by like the tools of like internet call out yeah i will never get over that i canceled my own professor into having 700,000 followers on twitter <laughs> and making <laughs> making $5,000 a month on patreon and god knows what else doing speaking events and oh shit has- should i unsubscribe should i do pa- <laughs> should, I, should i not be patronizing him <laughs> You're in the Dark Horse uh, Discord. You got access to the Dark Horse Discord through his Patreon. The intellectual yeah, it's dork chill. web. We, mostly s- we like <laughs> share recipes. It's pretty chill. That's cool. I, I really love that his bio still says professor in exile when um, the, the whole thing started. He had like 2,000 followers on Twitter and was just every day tweeting at Jordan Peterson like, please notice me. I think you're so cool. That's where uh, um, that's where my twitter bio comes from uh where i say tiktok micro celeb in exile uh i am <laughs> i am directly making fun of cerise's old professor yeah one day when big story naturals has a big enough following i am going to be mobilizing everyone to harass this man online yes which i know i just said that that doesn't work but like it'll be different this time <laughs> um there's per- there's personal vindication in it mm-hmm. even though yeah it will only make him more famous and richer and more successful. Yeah. Uh, I think, okay, the the other, maybe like the last thing that I wanted to talk about was the way that we found you on the internet was um, when you were responding to this hilarious, um, like, article in The Cut um, called The Story of the Cancelled Teen. 
Um, and it's been making the rounds online lately and especially now the past couple of days because uh, of some things. It like basically details the account of this teenage boy who is described in details that I feel uncomfortable even quoting. It's like John Green wrote this a little bit. Like the the writers, like he was enormously appealing, but also very canceled. His eyes were dark, goofy, and sad. His body freshly stretched to almost six feet. Your skin is pale Um. and ice cold. You you look seventeen. How long have you been seventeen? Like, yeah. ugh. why are you talking about a teenage boy in this way? Also, who has ever like who has ever said that someone is freshly stretched about the way that they grow? This is like very weird writing. But yeah. he he like shared nude photos of a girl that he was seeing, and then the girls of that school wrote his name on the bathroom wall as like a guy to watch out for, and then the school rallied around the girl. Um, and the the boy, as a result, like didn't have that many friends his final year of high school. And then he went to college where no one's going to learn about any of this. And, and he went to is... four proms. Yeah. yeah, he went to four proms. How are you canceled into four proms? I think that was meant to be sense. evidence that he was only able to be friends with kids from other schools. But you which, still had okay, a good Okay, sounds time. like you had a lot of friends. Yeah. That sounds like, like you've got friends. You got, so... you got to go to four proms. Yeah. Uh, yeah, the story is very silly, and I mean, first, like, why is anyone's high school drama, like, news that everyone um, gets to read? And then also, we recently learned, I think yesterday, that the author of the article has a kid in the same high school as the cancelled teen, which is really funny, but I think it, it does, like, exemplify sometimes, like, what is so stupid about the concept of cancel culture where like having something like that someone actually did be made known is a greater evil than the initial harm caused and like in i I mean i don't think it actually happened but the author's attempt was to like make a martyr out of this teenage boy that like did a shitty thing and then experienced like appropriate consequences for it which hopefully he got to learn from and now he's in college and maybe he's not gonna share anyone's nudes anymore i feel like that that could be it um (laughs) i mean i really want to start doing what like new york like legacy media writers do and start just like airing out like niche philadelphia drama and and like turn it into like a global story where i'm like why are so many leftist cafes shutting down um because that's that's something that's happening to two leftist cafes in philly yeah at the same time go to one and get a sandwich called the anti-capitalist and maybe not surprising these are not like great places to work but i just feel like that's the thing that i see all the time with like new york media stuff and it is like it's just taking like really niche drama and then they're like why is this happening everywhere why are teens getting canceled (laughs) but it's such a stark contrast to the story that you were sharing that i wanted to to bring it up where like the this like person actually experiencing consequences for like doing something shitty like is worth national attention but like the thing that happened to you like being sexually assaulted by another person in your high school is something that happens in like 
every high school. Um, and it is not something that like makes the news really ever like any of the times that it happens. Yeah, right. I mean, that's how that's how like you had initially, I think, like found me and like reached out to me is because the author had posted her article on Twitter and I like responded and, you know, a bunch of people were responding. They were like, oh, you know, when I was in high school, there was a guy who shared his girlfriend's nudes and she ended up transferring out of the district or like she ended up dropping out and all these things. Like they were like, it's actually probably better this way. Like, you know, yeah. that this kid like feels bad for having done something shitty. It sounds like his life's not over. You know, there was this like alarmist headline, like canceled at 17, like as if it was like, <laughs> you know, like like murdered at 17 shot down in the prime of his life like mm. and I like responded to it and I was like it was again almost like the thing of like my impulse to be like receipts and I was like here you have to respect that I wrote about this for like an outlet that I know that you give a fuck about uh and of I, I don't know I mean she's never like she hasn't addressed any of the like has she addressed the fact that like this is just her being a PTA mom like and in fact like not just like a journalist uh no, no not yet I think the cut did defend her and and said that it like counted as real journalism I'm wondering I feel like more things are probably going to come out um in the next couple days because like it's it's already messy yeah the author didn't reveal that that was a, a like the same school that her not kid to mention the way that, that she... she's like reporting on like classroom gossip not to mention so, the way she described these other children and i'm sure the other pta weird. moms are not like loving this right now so i'm sure they yeah. they, they will have something to say in a couple days oh um, i'm yeah the girl who's the girl whose nudes he showed was was like a supernaturally beautiful a super with a constellation hair and like yeah milky <laughs> galaxy skin like she's truly just, she's white and she's ginger honestly and, john reed might be might be ghostwriting this yeah yeah, I mean, right, and, you know, someone tweeted, like, you know, my my son's name was not on the bathroom wall at the cancel culture high school t-shirt is raising questions that it's supposed to answer. <laughs> like, yeah, I mean, who knows, like, why people get, like, personally invested in these things. But, like, yeah, I mean, it does, like, there's an obvious irony to me that, like, when I was 17, like, I, like, was also, like, sexually assaulted or, I mean, he showed photos off campus which I guess you know is I don't want to like flatten everything but like you know like this was like a, a situation that felt very clear-cut like this was on your property during school hours between students like what are you gonna do about it and the answer is let kids dump snow on me and threaten to expel me you know and my like deus ex machina was that my sister died suddenly and tragically at the age of 20 like that was the thing that stopped me from like getting expelled for like essentially like reacting the way I think many teenagers would to like being like violated in that way. And in the way that teenagers are all the time at like every single fucking school and like in every social situation and people who aren't just teenagers too. Right. But like, yeah, I mean, there's just like, you know, there's some really pure irony, you know, uh, to that of like, oh, like Diego had to make friends with new kids. And so he went to, four proms don't you feel like, bad <laughs> don't you feel horrible yeah, it's for like, him yeah and like right it was just like so yeah that just felt like such a like a one-to-one -one comparison that I could make you know like here's what actually happens in 99.999% of cases like 
is that you know like the person who's often a girl like who's on like the receiving end of this sort of like damage or defamation or violation is the one whose life gets fucked up for saying something about it or even if they don't say something about it and yeah i mean her like i mean also just parts of this article like the idea that a kid like like someone was seen in public with this kid diego and then the next day when that kid was in class someone else was like I love cancel culture. I can't wait to cancel someone next. Who would you cancel? Like, <laughs> that was not said. A like, fake uh, conversation. It's like, yeah. like if I was an undercover cop in a school and I was like, hey, kids, where can I get, like, some weed cigarettes around here? Like, hey, kids, it, where right. can I get canceled? <laughs> yeah. where, where are we canceling people after yeah. school? <laughs> I do yeah. not have oh, a badge in my we're canceling them on the bathroom wall. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right, but, like, the bathroom wall, like, like all these whispered networks are as old as time and like sometimes it is literally the bathroom wall like which is also like the metaphor for shit like the shitty media men list yeah and like all these other things and like i don't know just the idea that like here's this writer with whatever degree of like platform and prestige and like if you're looking for something to be pissed off about that's happening like in American high schools, there are so many things. And even if you want to limit it to the realm of like cancel culture and ostracization, there's every single other thing is more important than like what's going on with this kid, Diego. Right. Like, yeah, it's just wild. Yeah. I feel like, like the, like, I guess the anger at like a potential cancellation, like it comes through like recognizing that it's like an attempt to like shift um, like an existing power structure where like it is very normal for someone to be assaulted in a high school and like not speak up about it or for someone's like privacy to be violated like when they share pictures of themselves and then they just have to deal with it and it is a lot less normal for like people to rally around a victim um, and like ask for or like make it so that the, like the person that like did harm experiences consequences and I feel like that is, like, the, I mean, that's, like, the the dream, I guess, of, like, a lot of call-out posts and, like, whatever is, like, the attempt being made, like, in so-called cancel culture is, like, trying to, like, shift an existing power structure. And I feel like this is why, like, we've talked about Me Too so many times, but, like, just why it doesn't, why it didn't work the way people wanted it to, where it's, like, we are compiling all of these lists of information and we're like figuring out what it is exactly that people did wrong but we don't have like any structures in place yet to like hold people accountable besides just like maybe just knowing what it is that they did um and so then at some point like things fizzle out because like you don't you don't have like any way to hold people accountable for something like sexual assault um, and so then when people do actually come up with something and it's just as simple as like, we're not going to hang out with this guy anymore. Like there's this like violent, like, and very loud, like response to it of like, no, 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 you can't do that. That's not what you're supposed to do. You just need to let it happen. Um, and so I think that that was what we were seeing. And that's, I think also what happened with like the Amber Heard defamation trial too, where it's like not normal or encouraged for like people to speak out when they've experienced domestic violence and so then when someone does that there is this like very extreme like 
dash to it. Yeah, I mean, like, as so many people pointed out about this stupid fucking article online, like, the idea of someone who is in some way marginalized, like, being socially ostracized, if not, like, like really, really harmed in some way, is, like, inherent to, like, high school. Yeah. Like, yeah. that there's, like, there's, like, the girl who's a slut, and there's, like, the gay kid and the fat kid, and, like, you know, the kid who's poor, and, like, all of them are treated, like, absolute shit, like, by everyone who is not those things or who is not perceived to be those things. And, like, you know, it doesn't actually matter, like, you know, like if any of the things that people don't like about you are true, like, you know, as long as they believe that you're a slut or that you're gay or whatever. And like, yeah, I mean, it just like, that is high school. Like that's inherent to like our conception of high school. And so the idea that like we would try and change that seems so radical to people. And then, you know, and then we get this sort of like stupid fucking media backlash, like, and it yeah, feels, it feels almost you know, like bananas. they feel like oh. we should have canceled at middle school. That should be the next one. <laughs> the um, sequel. Now, now that would I be was canceled in middle school. Um, I forget for what. I think I just like wasn't a cool person. Yeah, um, I was. I was canceled because I was a loser. I was yeah. also canceled for being um, a loser <laughs> in middle school. <laughs> Actually, I was cool, and no one else was, and they just like they didn't get it. They didn't see it. Um, I should have canceled them. But not too late. We're actually like so good on time, which is unusual for us. It is. Um, Maybe we should we should have you here all the time so that we finish episodes sooner than we normally do. Um, (laughs) And like, I really I had one like question that I was really wanting to ask, which was just like, I'm, I'm dying to know about your experience writing for the New York Crimes, um, which is not the New York Times totally different no. media different outlet, outlet. Yeah. um because i i just i remember like getting so mad when i was writing for them because um like for like when i with the the thing that was happening was like my school um evergreen was like going through like a bunch of protests and then like the, the all these like alt-right groups and like some neo-nazi groups like landed on my campus meanwhile my professor was like putting articles out in the New York Times and the Wall Street Journal and like all these other places, like was doxing professors on Joe Rogan every other day. And uh, I think I was the only person like on the side of the protesters that was like asked to do anything um, to like share anything with the media. And so I was the only person that was like getting to share our perspective and then I was getting so mad because I wasn't allowed to use the phrase police brutality to describe an mm. instance of police brutality where, like, these kids were pulled out of their bedrooms at, like, 11 o'clock at night and, like, not told where they were going by the by the cops um, who then, like, held them at the police station when they were not supposed to be. Um, and then there was, like, another incident where, like, the cops, like, pushed a bunch of people and, like, knocked like someone out of like someone to the ground and stuff so like and that was all filmed so like instances of police brutality but I had to I think write them down as like like police actions which students perceived as being racially charged um and there were a couple other things like that where I just like was not allowed to like 
describe things the way that I wanted them to be described. Um, and then I was paid $250, which I think is like not enough dollars. I think the New York Times should. New, oh, New I was York paid cries. more than that. What? Yeah. <laughs> well, maybe, you know, inflation's gone up. Things, <laughs> things could be different from 2017, but I was annoyed. Um, and so I was just interested, I guess, in like, did you feel like when you were, cause you like, did you reach out to them? Um, yeah, I did. I, yeah, I was not like contacted or anything. I like wrote something and pitched it places, which I still don't understand the impulse to do that because it, I like semi regret it. And even at the time was like, I don't want to be doing this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But, did you did you feel like you got to say what you wanted to say or that you like had to leave out like things or yeah. So, I mean, I think the reason that I like wrote it was uh it was like February 2021 that it came out, so I was writing it like in the period leading up to that and it was like a period that felt a lot like high school to me because like because of COVID and I was like you know my roommate had left and I was living alone for the first time I was like I feel just as isolated in a way as I did back then and so it felt like it was more on my mind and like again feeling like I craved some other type of community and like there there are these constant you know there's this constant output like the like cancel culture op-ed industrial complex like so it's like it's always there you're always seeing stuff uh and, uh, yeah, I mean, I felt like <laughs> when I was in high school, there was a there was a kid who was kind of a frenemy, like, you know, I think uh, who when everything was going down with my high school and they were like kind of kicking me out, he said, uh, well, you know, at least you'll get a Jezebel article out of this or some like kind of snarky thing like that because he knew I wanted to be a writer at the time, which mm. uh, clarifying note, I do not, uh, thankfully, anymore. I've been cured of that affliction. <laughs> Um, but I, I was somehow like thinking about him and I was like, Jezebel, like, come on, man. Like I can do better than that. (laughs) Uh, But like, I don't know. I mean, you know, I work in publishing at least for the next two weeks and I like know how to like pitch things to like media outlets and stuff. Like that's part of like my job is kind of being around that. And when I wrote it, like in it, the pieces I initially wrote it and submitted it places had a lot about how I had been assaulted and it did have probably genuinely too much identifying detail about like, you know, how this guy and I knew each other and like what he did at school and like all these things. And so when I sent it to the New York times and uh, you know, I was working with an editor, she was very clearly like, we can't have this because you know, someone could sort of, if they know you, then they'll know him and he could sue and all these things. And so we can't have that. And I like, I know I felt really torn about it. I was like, I don't, in a way I was like, I don't know that I want the piece to like run without that. Mm-hmm. And, but also I was like, but there is something nice about the idea that like, this is going to be forever, like yeah. the highest search result you know, on Google for my name. Like until I get like murdered and someone does like a true crime podcast episode about me, like, this is going to be the most public information about me. And so in a way, there's something nice about like, you know, not encountering, you know, like, oh, who's this person? Like, do I want to date her? Do I want to hire her? Like, oh, when I was 17, I was sexually assaulted. 
And so I, I went with it, although later on in the process, I was like, well, can I just mention really passively something along the lines of like, I had been sexually assaulted, you know, very vaguely at some point, who knows, but that didn't get in either. And I looked back at the piece before talking to you today, and it really just says, when I noticed classmates making sexist jokes on Facebook, including some about me, I started taking screenshots to post on a Tumblr called Calling Out Sexists. Like, and it's like, huh, like, why were they doing that? Like, you know, like, it, yeah. it, fe it feels like it is missing that, like, obvious origin story. And based on, you know, what I saw people <clears throat> saying about it when it came out, some people kind of intuited that there was something a little more going on socially there. But, you know, and I think that is part of what, like, was maybe compelling to people about, like, when I tweeted my response to this cut authors, I was like, I wrote about being canceled, like, I wrote about being ostracized in high school and starting, like, a camp, the, like, I invented cancel culture blog. And what I didn't say is that it was because I was, like, sexually assaulted. And so, like, it does feel like it is missing something, but I'm, I'm not, like, bummed that it's not in the article mm -hmm. in some ways, I guess. But definitely, I'll say, I feel like I psych myself out about writing anything because I can be kind of a real perfectionist. And I was really worried about this piece and about having it be perfect. And it received a heavy enough edit, especially the second half, that I was able to no longer have those feelings because it felt very different from something that I had written. Uh, and I think that's okay. But I will say that a lot changed uh, in it. And so like, that was also kind of good because then it also allowed me to feel more like detached from it and less like it was like putting my like, you know, beating heart like out in the open. But also then again, it does feel like it's not quite right. Like it's not, mm -hmm. it's not quite like accurate, you know? Like there's a gap. Yeah, I do feel almost. like that context is super important because it makes... I mean, it makes the whole story make a lot more sense. Um, and I think it also, like, is very relatable, where I think a lot of, like, people who, um, I mean, we, we, like, talked about this so many times, but just, like, people who, like, make their own call-out posts, it's, like, coming from a place of, like, they have personally been hurt. Um, and so I can, like, totally understand that it's, like, maybe good that that's not on there forever. Um, because now anytime someone Googles my government name, it's, it's that, and then me being an epic SJW, um, and I just have to like live with that forever. Um, so it, it is like nice not having like every, everything attached to your name, but I think, I think still like the, the essay is good. Um, I remember reading it when it came out and being like, oh, like this makes so much sense. Um, and like feeling a lot of like empathy for you also. Yeah, I, I appreciate that. I will say that I'm really glad that the online version has the headline, which I wish I'd come up with it. I did not. My year of grief and cancellation, because the print version had the headline, errors of judgment in an era of public shaming. Uh, so I'd rather have people think that I like, Ooh. I don't know, like got into the like Autessa discourse with this. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Oh, old fart you know. title. <laughs> For the New yeah. York Times. Also, it's longer. Yeah. Wouldn't you longer. want the print title to be like shorter? Punchier. Who knows? 
who knows yeah you know the new york the new dork crimes has their uh mm-hmm. has their you know they work in such wily and mysterious ways I guess that's that's it for the episode thank you that's so it. much for coming we on Leah. That. we we had a blast um uh do you have anything you want to plug any like social media handles you would deign people follow now or <laughs> yeah why not i mean if i'm gonna get if people are gonna know who i am i may as well get like that sweet sweet followers cloud, engagements right uh, <laughs> um my newly created twitter is Bartleby underscore era because I'm saying uh, I'm declining things a lot lately uh, and my Instagram is adult.goth um, awesome secured that handle long time ago can never change it no matter what um, yeah I know I yeah I'm so glad that you all like reached out to me and invited me I had not heard of your show but I listened to the uh, Kinsey quiz episode first and then the <laughs> the the pro and the anti-pro anna episode which i enjoyed immensely um i do love that the kinsey quiz was like on a scale of zero to six <laughs> with three being purely bisexual <laughs> like they were like which one are you like mm-hmm. they're like these um, gradients can be measured would you like exactly. to rate yourself on the kinsey scale we won't make you take the quiz you can just self-identify uh w- wait so is which which end is which? So zero is like you're straight. Head to row. One is like Katy Perry in that song. Yeah. Um, uh, six is gay, and five like I don't know if I have an example for that. Yeah. Um, five is like my man's a Kinsey five. He fucks she lays on the side. <laughs> <laughs> um. Uh, let's, let's, let's say, let's say, let's say zero to one for now. I don't want to, I don't want to, uh, be fake bisexual online. That's Uh, fair. We could invite you to the community. You could be allowed if you want. It's girls and gays, so. (laughs) Wow. That means, that means the world. I think um, if we we could make honorary bisexuals and then also just like take a couple people's titles away from we them. We have already forced several of our male friends to become he theys, but through bullying. So I think just one, just one, just well, one. we're working yeah. on the other two, chipping away. Mm-hmm. I mean, I will say I was like, listen, I've I've done it. I don't know how much I like it was for me, but I will say that it was very. Uh, Oh, all of my friends are gay, and none of them say that it makes sense that I'm not gay. Uh, so we'll see. You know, this is the kind of epic peer pressure yeah. that's bringing more and more people into the LGBTQAA dollar sign nine slash eleven community. Don't forget the plus. <laughs> Bully your straight friends today. Plus, plus. yeah, forgot, plus. forgot. But I think you were plus. you were saying something maybe oh uh oh i was just saying that i really i really enjoyed uh before before i uh outed myself as as fake online bisexual 
Uh, I was saying that I really enjoyed <laughs> listening to your podcast. Uh, and and Cerise Reed, it was you who wrote the the piece about like the the like uh, Instagramification. Uh, no, what's it called? Pinterestification of uh, like all images and inspiration. Was that wait? Yeah. Was that you? Yeah, that is me. Yeah. That yes. fucked. That was good. I Thank really enjoyed you. that. So I'm really, Thanks. you know, yeah. Uh, look forward well, to uh, more writings on on that website soon. Uh, Cerise is bullying me. I will be writing I, a. Yeah, you, you need to write. Yeah, I'm I'm currently working on my post mortem on the uh, American Girl doll store. Um, <laughs> you could write a call out post. Yeah, I could, a call out post for the American Girl doll store. I'm fast. I I think about the time that I went to a birthday party and saw the little play that they have there. And it was wild, um, so I kind of wanted to revisit uh, that little play that they put on at the American Girl Doll store, like, I think hourly, half hourly. Um, well, I'm issuing a call-out post in response because I had, like, immense resentment for any kid that had an American Girl Doll when I was a kid because they're expensive, and so I didn't get to have one. And so I'm adding that to the list of things that are wrong with you, <laughs> along with having blue eyes, blonde hair, being was a, a white woman from, from Connecticut. My American Girl call out is that my aunt used to work at the American Girl doll theater where they put on those plays. Gag. And when they shut it down, she lost her job and it was very devastating. Wow. Well, see, another, another thing to girl, add to my... Please respond to this. My list of things wrong with the American Girl doll store. Um, I already had a very long list. Um, but thank you so much for coming. Uh, thanks everyone for listening. Um, you can follow us on Big Story Naturals everywhere. That's Instagram, Twitter. Um, check us out on Patreon. Uh, leave us a review on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. They have reviews now, as you know, and we uh, need to be pushed in the almighty algorithm so that people see us in our big, big knockers. Um, <laughs> True. <laughs> I... I've lately gotten into saying some of the worst things and Cerise is not happy with me about it, but thank you so much. We're I'd say mine are medium big. Yeah. If that yeah. matters. Yeah. We've, we've got, we've got the big ones. Uh, well, we'll see. <laughs> <laughs> there's, there's, but we're, um, we, we're a lover of all naturals here. Um. <laughs> okay. Also stick around, which I know that everyone always does. They love listening to the outro music, but we've got really good outro music this time. I'm also commodify this on Twitter and like on Instagram, I guess. Yes, and um, I am she Herzog on Twitter. Kendall's out there. Um, check us out. Thank you so much. Yeah. Bye. Bye.
Twitter gonna be the death of me. Delete that bitch. That was two years ago. Back when everybody said not just me. It was soft A, never hard R. I never meant. I never meant it. I This is a certified Big Soy Naturals classic.